And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. JT back from Canton. For a couple of days, Hall of Famer James Lofton will join us uh, later on this hour. Also, Dave Softy Mahler, great radio host. Fabulous. This guy brings venom. He is coming in hard uh, pretty soon here. Looking forward to that. We're brought to you by Sam and Ash, our personal injury attorneys who care about their clients getting better settlements. That's what it's all about. Sam and Ash are available to answer your questions 24-7. So if you get in an accident, Call Sam and Ash, the ones I trust, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. So good calls in the first hour of the show as we took, took, took uh, went through the Raiders' unofficial depth chart there. And just wondering where you think the depth chart's going to change the most. And the, the, the reason why a depth chart changes is, unfortunately, injuries. Two reasons a depth chart's going to change. Injuries which means availability, or just a player outplays another player and he deserves to move up the depth chart, right? That's the ultimate goal if you're a professional football player, a pro. You want to be able to move up the depth chart and go from third string to second string to start. And then once you become a starter, you want to keep your job. So how many of these starters on the depth chart have to worry about someone else coming in behind them and potentially taking their job? You know, I got a tweet, and a couple of people talked about Andre James. What about Nick Martin? Nick Martin played in more games than Andre James. What happens if Nick Martin plays better? Yeah, if he plays better in practice and Cable thinks that Andre James can't handle the load, then they'll make that change. But no one is expecting that. No one thinks that's going to be an issue. Andre James was the backup to Rodney Hudson, and now he's next man up and deserves this opportunity. Up front, Denzel Good versus John Simpson. I don't know. I've been out at a bunch of practices. There's only so much you can see in shorts and shells. And I don't know. That's going to be Tom Cable's decision, and I'm very comfortable. There's assistant coaches on this team who are head coaches. Tom Cable was the head coach of the Seahawks. Gus Bradley was the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They'll make up their mind, and we'll see what happens there. But would I be shocked if John Simpson was the starting right guard down the road? No. I would not be shocked by it. And there are other players here who are fighting to move up the depth chart. Now, Foster Moreau is someone that's not going to unseat Darren Waller, but he's going to get a lot of playing time because we know Gruden loves to go though that two tight end set. Derek Carrier is someone who wants to get more playing time, and maybe we see him in some type of package that they put together for him in the red zone. Brian Edwards versus Zay Jones. That is interesting to me. Hunter Renfro versus Willie Sneed. I mean, Willie Sneed's got more experience than Hunter Renfro, but I think Renfro's a better player. I don't think anybody's going to touch third in Renfro. I think he'll be the slot receiver, but Willie Sneed has the ability to pop and do some special things. And another guy who's number two on the depth chart but can be playing a lot of possessions is going to be Kenyon Drake. Josh Jacobs has to last through 17 games. He tends to get banged up. I think there's going to be a game or two where Drake starts, or gets equal amount, maybe even more touches, especially in the passing game, than Josh Jacobs. Concerns for most Raider fans on potentially who is going to fit better. Is it going to be Cleveland Farrell or Max Crosby? 
I'm not going to say that conversation's over. I'm a Max guy. I think Max got that job locked up as starting defensive end opposite of Yannick Ngakwe. But Cleland Farrell, fourth overall pick, if he explodes and starts playing great, he could be playing more D-tackle, he can play inside, or he can unseat Max if he plays at that level. He's going to have to prove that for all of us. And then Damon Arnett or Nate Hobbs. Who's going to jump in and play the slot corner as the first depth chart has Nevin Lawson? I'm not a big fan of Nevin Lawson because he doesn't catch the ball well. He does, he's just not a player who's been productive. But the Raiders damn see something in him. Whatever they see in him, and Amik Robertson, who was drafted, the Raiders are giving them every opportunity with Dallin Levitt to make the team and play well. I, I'd just rather see better starters, and it's supposed to be Arnett, as Arnett's healthy, and he put on a bunch of weight, strength, and is going to be ready to go. And then the other player that I think is going to be interesting to see is Carl Joseph. Carl Joseph is right now the backup to Jonathan Abram. Well, that doesn't mean he's not going to be the starter if he plays better. So Jonathan Abram is going to be a player that has to come out quickly and play at a very high level early in the season. If he's able to do that, fantastic. Also on the depth chart when it comes to kick return, Henry Ruggs III is third on the depth chart behind Jalen Richard. If you look at what they had on the original depth chart in the change, Kenyon Drake, Hunter Renfro is the primary punt returner. You got Ruggs and Renfro involved with special teams. Got to hope those guys stay healthy taking back kicks and taking back punts, especially the punt returners in Hunter Renfro. He is shifty, and he can break away from trouble, but he's going to have to do that to stay healthy because we need him. Need him on the field to do some great things. 702-365-9200. Derek Carr spoke to the media today. We have a little bit of sound from that. And he was talking about practice yesterday was a rough one, and he wanted to bounce back today, which they didn't have the opportunity to do in practice and get after the defense again. Here's the quarterback. After the defense got after us a little bit yesterday, I was talking trash in the locker room. You know, so I was I was ready to kick the crap out of them today. And uh, I told them coach gave them a free pass, so they have to wait one more day for it. <laughs> yeah, they had the day off today. It was a late announcement by Coach Gruden. So they'll go after it and try to get that going tomorrow. You know, Derek was excited about the defense, tipped the cap to the defense yesterday, made a lot of big plays, and Derek noticed it. If anyone walked off that field, uh, excited. It was definitely me. Um, you know, this is a team game, and it will always be the. It's the best game because it's the team game. Every man in that locker room matters. You know, in in order for us to end up with the goal that we want, right? Yeah, the goal is to win games, and Derek needs the defense to get him on the field more. They got to turn it over. Got to make plays and do some great things. Derek talked about the fullback and the role this year, especially running the ball hard yards behind this new offensive line. Probably the most thankless job, you know, in maybe all the sports. I don't know. You know, I'm not on other teams. I don't play other sports. But to me, like, you know, from the outside looking in, you're just like, fullback, just block the guy, you know, and you're like, you have no idea, you know, what goes into that. Like, he, he has to see and hear the call standing behind me with his hand in the ground, and he has to know the fronts. He's got to know where the safeties are. He's got to know – there's so much that that man has to know to hit the right gap so that Josh can hit the right gap, right? All right, let's move on, Bobby, to Carr playing on Saturday or not. Uh, he was open to the question today, but I don't expect to see Derek Carr much playing throughout the preseason, especially coming into the first game. We never know. Um, you know, you, you try and 
you don't try and guess. You kind of try and see through, you know, the noise a little bit. But we never know. I mean, I've played one series, you know, in three years here in the preseason. And last year, we, I don't, we didn't have preseason. So it's, it's totally whatever Gru wants. Um, we always prepare as if we're going to play. And I think Gru just makes it. Maybe he brainwashes us, but every day it's like, it, especially like today, you just come in and you do what, what we say and what we're going to lead you the right way. So I don't know. Um, I'll be ready to play, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, you don't expect Carr to play because a lot of the other quarterbacks around the league are not going to play a snap. So why let Carr do it? Even though Carr's got to get in rhythm with a couple of these weapons here, but that's what practice is for, and that's what that practice coming up against the Rams is all about. When those Rams are going to be flying, including Aaron Donald, that's where his head's going to be on a swivel. Derek was asked about Marcus Mariota because it seems like there's a lot of talk on Mariota and what he'll be able to add potentially down the stretch this season around goal line. But Marcus has worked his tail off. Uh, I think he's finally getting to a healthy place where he feels good. You know, um, I know coming off of surgeries, it's tough. You know, it's hard. But um, I, I tell you, I'm always in his corner hoping that he gets everything that he wants in life because he's – like I said, there's a lot of good guys. He's at the top of the list on some of the best people in this league. Yeah, Marcus Mariota is a well-respected player around this league and has tremendous talent, and Derek made a good point. He's healthy now. He can play looser. He can play freer, and hopefully if he gets a chance to play in certain situations, he's able to step up and be ready to go. Uh, Carr talked about his overall health and feeling better and the strength that he has coming into this season. He's never looked better, bigger, stronger, and hopefully faster. Nothing's hurting. You know, it's like middle of camp, and I feel great. You know, I feel strong in the weight room. I feel fast. I feel explosive. And it's just, I think it's the way we train now. And that comes with science, and that comes with more understanding. But if I'm honest, like, I feel, I honestly feel stronger, faster, better than I did when I first got to the NFL, you know. And that comes with more knowledge on how to train and how to eat and how to take care of your body. I think that's a really important point. I mean, he's still in the early part of his prime of his career at 30 years old. You're talking about a young guy. Tom Brady's 44. Let's not forget that, okay? We're not talking about Tom Brady being 34. Derek Carr can play at this level for a long time, and this is a big year. He looks like a beast. His arms, his biceps, his legs. He works out. There's not a day that Carr doesn't give 100% to this organization. Carr talked about Gerald McCoy, the veteran leadership, the new addition on the defense. He's, he still can play. You know, he's he still got it. He's twitchy. Uh, he's, he, you could tell he's been in the gym. He looks great. Um, so I'm excited. I'm glad, you know, bring him, keep bringing them, man. Keep bringing good players. Yeah. Bringing in good players. That's a really good one. And Card talked about the teaching aspect of it, feeling like there's another coach who's in the room. Once McCoy opens his mouth, I was walking down the hallway. We got done with our meetings and we're walking to do, go get dressed for walkthrough. And as I'm walking, he has the whole D line sitting there and he's talking about fronts coverages he's like you got to know the coverage because you got to know when you can take a shot when you have an eight-man front and take a shot in this guy or this and then i'm like i'm like oh my gosh he's sitting there and all eyes are like locked in like all these young guys are even like writing it down like i was like bro like i don't know i don't know if last time i've seen something like that you know i was so impressed of those guys just one listening you know to him you know and because he's new but he's got six pro bowls obviously you'll listen to the guy he knows what he's doing but but two, him taking the time, you know, I've been around some guys, they don't, you know, they're just going to do their thing and just keep it pushing. But he, 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 man, he's just trying to make the team better. And I was so impressed by that. He just, he had them all. And like, there was no one around and I could hear him down the hall and I come walking 
And, uh, and, and there they are, just all the D-line and him just sitting there talking to him about fronts and when to do this. And then I'm like, it, it was really impressive. It was really cool. That's a big deal. And when you think about Derek now, Derek needs help with that defense. And you can tell the tone in his voice. He's genuinely happy that there's a new player in that's got six Pro Bowls. Because Derek is just sick and tired of giving everything he has and not winning enough. He's not winning enough. And a lot of that has to do with the defense. We all know that. McCoy only helps out. Finally, Derek talking about team chemistry in the fourth year with Gruden. It continues to get better and better. You see a lot of veteran presence, right? But also honoring the guys that are playing, you know, honoring like, hey, if you see it that way on the D-line, do you see it that way? Because I see it. And just our team, you can just feel this momentum of everyone just heading towards getting better, you know, whereas I've been around sometimes where people are pulling the other way and uh, can't win like that. Nope, can't win like that. He knows He knows what has to happen in that locker room. This locker room has to be so locked in, on the same page, especially with the beginning of the schedule. They always are. These are pros, and Derek's the ultimate pro. But this year he seems genuinely happy about the new-look defense, which is going to make it hopefully a tiny bit easier for him on offense. Last one, there's a lot of young receivers now that have to step up. Which one is he going to pick? Who's going to get more opportunities? I have a group of wideouts that – that I trust, you know, that, that when I drop back, I'm going to throw the ball up to him. And I told him, I was like, it's up to you if you want to make sports center or not. You know, I'm going to throw it to you because you guys have the talent and the ability to go make these plays. Yeah, well, that's something we're going to have to see to believe because Derek does not love to throw the ball into traffic. He normally doesn't like to do that. He likes to throw very much like Tom Brady to the open man. You know, Brady never throws. When you watch Tom Brady – Brady looks off the coverage. He doesn't throw to the guys who are double team. He looks them off or finds a way to get them open. Derek does that too. Not at the level of Brady, but he's getting better and better each year. It sounds like Derek knows he's going to have to throw more 50-50 balls. Going to have to trust more guys to go and make a play. And if that happens, there'll probably be more interceptions, but more electric touchdowns, which we're all looking forward to seeing. How do the Seahawks look? Coming up next, Dave Softy Maller, KJR in Seattle. He's always fantastic. There's a lot of noise up in Seattle. Now, it's only coming into a preseason game. Russell Wilson said a lot. Seems to be happy, but there's a couple of players there who don't seem to be happy and don't have contracts locked in. And the Seahawks cut defensive end Alden Smith for an off-field matter. No shock there. We'll get into that next. You know, the reality of, of professional sports is, you know, things happen, things change. I, you know, you know, I'm not sure, you know, how, how long I'll play in Seattle. I think hopefully, hopefully it was going to be, you know, be forever, you know, but things change obviously along the way. Russell Westbrook, and he seems to be okay. Was there truth that he wanted to leave or was interested in a few other teams? It's old news. Everybody moved on to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers was a story everybody wanted to know about him. We're waiting on Dave Softy Mahler. He'll join us here in a few minutes. If you want to get through ahead of time, like to hear from you this hour. It's a different radio show from noon to one, more lunchtime than one to two, and then we build into Vinny and Evening Drive. Q coming on right after me. If this is when you got 10 minutes to listen to or an hour, 702-365-9200. What do you think of the Raiders' unofficial depth chart? And is there a player you think is going to jump from number two 
to number one by the start of the season. And I'm going to take injuries out of it. Don't want to talk injuries. Don't want to get involved in injuries. Don't want to speculate on anything like that. Who's good enough to prove in the preseason that they can start? See, that's a tough philosophy because if you're not going to play the starters in the preseason or most of the starters, then you can't bench starters for backups if you don't play the starters. I mean, that, that's part of the reality of all this. If you're not going to put pressure on the starters to play in the preseason, then give them the opportunity to start the season. So who do you want to see play? I mean, Col- Colton Miller at left tackle is a very good player. I think he has the ability to be a longtime Pro Bowler, multiple Pro Bowls. But I'd like to see him in the preseason. He played on a non-playoff team last year. Didn't play in a playoff game. I'd like to see him going up against a couple of edge rushers moving his feet. So what do you play him a series? Or you don't play him at all. I think you play him a series or two. Same thing going with Alex Leatherwood as Donald Penn joined us earlier in the show and said you got to see him play a lot. He's got to play a lot and he's got to get a lot of reps. I agree with that also. Reps are important for guys who need improvement. But we're in a new era now. It's just back at the Hall of Fame and ran into Rayfield Wright of the Cowboys, and there were so many other legendary players who were around. And they played six preseason games. Six. And they played the whole game, some of them in the 60s and 70s. They didn't come out for a break. They played the preseason games. They played the college all-star game, the best of the best played. They went to training camp for the college all-star game. I mean, pretty crazy to think about that. So when you're looking at this, it's crazy to see what could happen along the way. And how much can you get hurt in the preseason? Well, if you're going to get hurt in the preseason, you're probably going to get hurt in the regular season. Right? If you get hurt in the preseason, you're probably going to get hurt in the regular season. You cannot make predictions on when you're going to go down. If you're going to strain your Achilles in the preseason... I think it's fair to say you were probably going to strain your Achilles when you played in the regular season. And a lot of fans don't want to hear that. And a lot of players don't want to do it. They don't want to deal with it. But if you can get hurt in the regular season, at least you feel like it was worth it instead of the preseason where you get hurt and you feel like your season's gone. Dave Softy-Mahler will join us in a little bit. Uh, We have the opportunity now to move him up and get him in here. Hall of Famer James Lofton was kind enough to join me. I joined him in Canton, Ohio with his lovely wife, and now he's back after traveling, and he's ahead of the CBS season where he'll have another great year on television. James, thanks a lot for fitness in. Appreciate it. And it seems like you had a great time at the Hall of Fame. How are you? I certainly did. Uh, anytime that you get to go back and see the guys that you've been enshrined with, guys that you admired while you were playing, some competitors who are now semi-friends, <laughs> It is a great time. You were sitting up on stage and listening to all the speeches over two days. With just your background with history and the Hall of Fame and the two classes back-to-back, taking it all in, what were some of your big takeaways? You know, the one that fascinated me the most was Troy Palomalu. Uh, he was questionable as to whether or not he'd get there, and we all know what is questionable going into games is like, but he had a bout of COVID-19. And when he spoke, I started thinking, I don't know if in 12 years of playing I've ever heard this guy talk for more than 10 seconds. And his speech was so well done, so eloquent. Uh, I just came, I was blown away by him because I just didn't expect it. Everybody else, you know, I, I kind of knew a little bit of their stories, but uh, Troy's was unique, talking about his culture, 
and some of the ways that he trained to, to be the best. And uh, he's so humble. It was uh, really impressive. James Lofton. James, with your background with so many teams, but especially the Raiders, you knew the Tom Flores story, the background of it. But when you saw him get wheeled up there, get out of his wheelchair, give that speech after Mrs. Davis, Carol Davis, enshrined him with the speech ahead of time, what was your takeaway from the Raider reaction for Tom Flores and how he was able to enjoy his evening afterwards? It was really special. Uh, it, you know, when you look at Tom and he joked about being 84 years of age, uh, it was an award that was long overdue uh, to be the first Hispanic quarterback in the NFL. He probably should have gotten in for that, but to be the first Hispanic coach to win two Super Bowls and to be in a very stratified air of coaches who have won two Super Bowls. Uh, but you, you talk about Tom being humble and humorous, and he certainly was, and you could see the strength that he displayed getting up to speak to the audience there. James Lofton is our guest. James, a couple of football items with your work at CBS right here around the corner. Josh Allen, good news for him is he gets a market deal. He gets what he <laughs> deserves, and that's a market deal, and it's Mahomes' money. I'm just fascinated that every year the TV money goes up that much and there never seems to be a stop. And quarterbacks make more and more and more from guys that they were peers with three or four years before. Uh, They they certainly do. Um, You you know, you don't want to miss, if you're an organization, on paying someone that amount of money. You you hope that it, it bears fruit, that you're in the AFC or NFC championship games, and that you have a chance to play for Super Bowls. Because if you're paying that money and you're 8-8 you're eight and eight or, or thereabouts, then you've kind of made a mistake and you probably need to go in a different direction. Yeah, I'm just fascinated because I think he deserves it because Buffalo can't afford not to have a quarterback like that as they're knocking on the door. What expectations do you expect to see from Josh Allen this year? No one knew about Stephon Diggs last year and that chemistry. Now everybody's going to be doubling him, and they're going to have to find new open players downfield. Are you confident that the Bills can return this year and be just as good as last season? You know, it's funny. I had the Bills in week one, and I got to see uh, that connection between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And the thing about Stephon Diggs is he's one of the type of players who doesn't know his limitations. He doesn't know that he's only 6 feet, 194 pounds. I described him as a bully, and that was in the best way because I think when he steps on the field, I think he's 6'4", 230 pounds, and he's as tough as anybody else out there. So that type of toughness on display uh, last year, and he really was like that while he was with the Minnesota Vikings. You know, always a guy who was slighted a little bit in the draft when he came out of Maryland, but has always been a tough, tough football player. James Lofton's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, also in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. And, James, you think things will be quiet at Lambeau, in and around that with Aaron Rodgers, now that they put everything behind them? Or do you think if they hit a couple of bumps in the road, it's going to be loud, not only with the local media, but the national media, and the relationship with Brian Gutenhurst and what's going to happen with that organization? How do you say it? Well, I'm headed back to Green Bay this week. I do their preseason television law with mm-hmm. Kevin Harlan. And... You know, the Packers have been 13-3 and the last two years. They played in two NFC championship games, one against the 49ers, the other against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So everyone is waiting for the next step to get to the Super Bowl to hoist up another Lombardi trophy. And anything less than that, depending upon how the season transpires, 
look is looked at not as a disappointment to the fans, but kind of, oh, we we were close, but we didn't get it. And I think when you are on the door door doorstep the whole time, Aaron Rodgers has been to the playoffs eleven times, six times in his thirties. So we we see what Tom Brady's been able to do. We saw what Drew Brees was able to do late in his career. Maybe he has a little more magic. It might just be for this one year. Might be for more years than that. But we, we really don't know, and I think as fans, I think any time you get a chance to watch great players perform, you have to cherish it. We're wrapping it up with James Lofton. James, finally, it looks like the Colts, are, they're going to wait for Carson Wentz to heal, and he might be tracking to week one. Did you think that was a smart move, or Rivers potentially to come in, or go with a backup quarterback? These games are important, as you know, early in the season. A loss in week one is like a loss in week 17. They all count the same. Do you think the Colts are playing this smart, close to the vest, and doing the right thing? Well, the funny thing you mentioned about a loss in week one because the Colts lost in week one of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were still a playoff-caliber team. So their defense can carry them, strong running game. And Frank Reich, who was a backup quarterback, is their head coach. So he knows the mentality of the quarterbacks. And, and if he has to play maybe two guys during the stretch when he's waiting for Wentz, I think he'd be able to do it and pull it off. Thanks, James. Thanks for your generosity in Canton. Great to see you. I'll see you out when you get out to Vegas. Have a great broadcast year. All the best to you. I'm looking forward to heading to Vegas, at, at least for one Raider game, JT. You got it. I'll be there with you. Thanks, James. There he is, James Lofton, one of the all-time greats. Great to see him in Canton, Ohio with his wife. Uh, Beverly had a great time with him. He is just class personified when he walks around Canton or any facility, and he'll be, you know, he's got a hell of a gig at CBS. He's one of their top-tier guys at CBS calling games again this year, and you'll catch him on CBS. You know, when it gets to Josh Allen, as I mentioned, he, he got a market deal. He deserves it. He's, he's early. It's, very, it's exactly like the Luka Doncic deal. Luka Doncic hasn't won a championship. Josh Allen hasn't won a championship. But they're two brilliant players, top, top players in their sport. And you can't afford to let him go. you got to pay him the market, which are these first contracts coming off their rookie contracts, and they're both over $200 million. Identically the same, Luka Doncic and Josh Allen. What are you going to do? Not offer him the max? And then they'll walk? you got to do it. And you want them to stay because they're great players and they're already embedded in the community with the fans there. So I like both players. I like Luka. I think he could be one of the best players of all time. And Josh Allen, for everybody who suggested that coming out of Wyoming, he wasn't the answer. Look at him now. Look at him now, the plays that he makes, the size of his arm, and the fact that he's a hell of a running quarterback. That's what's most impressive about him. He is a hell of a running quarterback. And what he did last year was pretty incredible. 4,544 yards, 37 touchdowns. The guy was incredible. And he was able to run the ball. He had a 107.2 quarterback rating. And he played decent in the postseason. Five touchdowns, one interception. 94.3 rating. But what's going to come down to is can he put this team on his back and get past Patrick Mahomes? Just like when I was in Canton. We saw these amazing rivalry games. Huge rivalry games throughout the, the history of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning got Brady a number of times at AFC Championship games. But Tom's got seven Super Bowls, and Peyton has two. So it's different to see that. What will happen with Mahomes and Josh Allen? Will Josh Allen be able to get by Lamar Jackson 
and Patrick Mahomes and then get there and start winning Super Bowls. The road in the AFC is brutally tough, really tough, and it's going to take a lot of work for him to get it done, but Buffalo's in a great place. They, they need a stadium. They need some public money, and the face of that, the face of that campaign is going to be Josh Allen to get it done. And I think that Josh Allen is the type of guy. Derek Carr, you know, Derek Carr didn't get the stadium built here in Vegas. Derek Carr did not do that. Derek Carr happened to be here when the stadium opened because Derek Carr played at a very good level to keep his job. So Derek was fortunate enough that he was able to open up Allegiant Stadium. Unfortunately, no fans in attendance. And then the following year, he keeps his job as quarterbacks are moving all over. But the question becomes, would you pay Derek Carr $200 million? I mean, we're, we're talking $200 million now for quarterbacks in the prime of their career. And there are super elite quarterbacks. What's Justin Herbert going to make? The thing that should motivate Derek, and I think what motivates Derek, knowing him just a little bit, is his family. He's got wife. He's got beautiful kids. Three sons and a daughter. His family, his faith motivates him. And then winning motivates him. And he needs to win more. And I'm sure money plays a role, but I don't think it defines him because of his faith. But the thing about Derek now is he's up for a contract. Everybody knows that. And the question is, Will the Raiders have confidence during the season or after the season to believe that he deserves another four or five years in Vegas as the franchise quarterback? I don't know what the answer is there because the Raiders need to win, and Derek Carr has got to win games and will this team to the playoffs. Now, Derek's had a built-in excuse that he doesn't use because he doesn't make excuses, and the defense was not good enough to win games for him. A lot of these games are lost not because of Derek but because of the defense. Now we're at a point, no matter where this defense is, Derek's got to win. He's got to win more games than he loses, and he's got to take this team to the playoffs. And I'm expecting him to have a big year. It's all setting up for him to have a monster, monster year. Softy on deck. Advantage of our scrimmages against the Rams. That'll give us some additional experience against another opponent. And, um, you know, we want to try to come out of camp healthy and keep the right 53 men. That's, that's, that's a goal. But we also want to be physical and ready to play. So we have a lot to accomplish. We're going to have to be creative in how we do business. And um, I can at least say we're pretty good at that. We've got a veteran coaching staff that um, adapts pretty good. That was John Gruden, who was good with me yesterday nine minutes of coach gruden played it on my sirius xm show last night got great reaction from the callers on that and john gruden trying to keep the team healthy and that's really what we've been talking about today with the depth chart welcome back jt with you as we continue on and we are just thrilled for the opportunity to be a part of what's going to happen on saturday to be a part inside pre and post game show with eric allen as we get you ready for the first ever raider game it's a preseason game but it's big as we're ready to roll and get you ready for the Seattle Seahawks. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. You know what I say about Grimaldi's? Best pizza I've ever had. Cold-fired brick oven pizza, a must-have for anyone. Craving great pizza, uh, five locations here in the Valley. We'll probably get it here at the house. I have a bit of a heavy heart because I'm not going to be able to attend the uh, drop-off of my son to college. As a freshman, he's going to Arizona State on Saturday. My wife's going to take him as we have a Raider game that day, first ever game. So I'm going to fly out 
and try to catch him uh, probably next week for a quick dinner as he gets settled as a freshman. So we'll be empty nesters over here in Summerlin, which will be uh, interesting. I'm going to miss my sons terribly. My son's going back for his junior year after a great internship this summer with the sports agent, and he had a great summer, learned a lot about name, image, and likeness. He'll be bringing that back to his campus at Oklahoma. And then I have a freshman at ASU, which will be interesting and hopefully not entertaining as I send my second one off to college, both out of state, which is a joy, which is not many options here. There are a few here in this state. My sons chose to go out of state, and um, that's why I work six days a week and do double shows. It's going to be very interesting. But a couple of road trips this year, both to ASU for some football games. Herm Edwards is the head coach, and at least one game we got lined up in Oklahoma. I want to say this. You know, I don't talk, you know, every once in a while a cryptic tweet when I see something really stupid on TV, sports TV. You know, I'll throw it out there and figure it out or not. I don't care. Don't care if you follow me or not. If you do, I hope you do. I get emotional on Twitter from time to time from Cranky Yankee to what I see. But years ago when I started in the radio industry, it was in the Bay Area. And it started off on the Ticket 1050. And I used to interview Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless was writing for the San Jose Mercury News. And this was before Skip turned into cable version of Skip Bayless. The one you see, the caricature. So I didn't really have anything bad to say about Skip because I'm a first impression guy. If you're good to me and I'm good to you, we're good. So Skip's never done anything to do any harm to me. You know, I don't know him well, but I met him a few times and he was good. And, and Skip has evolved into a television character now. So he doesn't go to games anymore. You know, he doesn't go to events. He's not at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He doesn't go to games. You won't see him at the bar at a Raider game. He doesn't do that. He's not a sports journalist anymore. He's a TV character. Well, earlier today, he got into it with his anchor, Jenny Taff, who's the moderator on that show. And the toughest part about being the moderator on that show, it's usually a woman, and the woman is not allowed to talk, or they're just basically getting you in and out of commercial. And then they let the two debaters debate every topic and scream at each other. It's all made up. It's all fake. You know that. It's all fake. They pick one side. They say, I'll take one side. You take the other. And here's what happened when Jenny Taft pushed back on Skip Bayless today. Is everyone that's who's a opinion. good coach yeah. as fit as you, mm. Skip? Mm. I don't think that's a fair shot uh, whatsoever. I wouldn't want – I said it was a personal preference. I wouldn't want him to be my head coach. that have not had the yeah. perfect ideal physique, including yeah. my college coach. Mm. So I don't think that's a fair mm. shot. Okay. And I'm allowed Next. to have an opinion, yep. Skip. I am allowed mm-hmm. to say whatever okay. I want to say on this show, okay, as you do too. Guys. We're Bruce we're Broussard we're will join us uh, and you react no. to Westbrook's You're comment. And maybe I have no. more to say. <laughs> yes. Next. Yes. All right. So that was from their show with Shannon Sharp. And it was a pretty serious moment. Because Skip Bayless was fat-shaming Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And basically, the brunt of the conversation was that McCarthy's fat. And if he's fat, how could you be a leader of men who are athletes and they're supposed to look up to you to be fit if you want them to be fit and all that? And Jenny Taft went over the top rope and just decapitated him on television, which was great. And Skip just sat there. And just was like a humiliated little puppy. And he sat there and said, yeah, 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 let's go to break. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle a strong woman, a strong woman with an opinion who unfortunately doesn't get a chance to give her opinion on that show. 
and he she just cracked back at Skip. And if you saw the look on his face, it's going pretty viral today. He was such a coward to sit there and want to go to break and be bailed out by the commercial. That wasn't made for TV. That wasn't fake. Most of the stuff that Skip has evolved into is fake. You know, I'm a Stephen A. Smith fan. Stephen A.'s a friend of mine. We go back from our days of working at a previous network. Everything that Stephen A. does is not made up. You hear Stephen A. scream about the Knicks, it's real. He's screaming about something, it's real. Skip, and his, he's evolved into a character. And it was so good today to see this woman, Jenny Taff. I want to play it one more time. And I want you to listen to Skip Bayless like a coward say, yep, 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 all that. And I, I just thought this was amazing. Absolutely amazing. Once again, listen to this. Is everyone that's who's a opinion. good coach yeah. as fit as you, mm. Skip? Mm. I don't think that's a fair shot uh, whatsoever. I wouldn't want. I said it was a personal preference. And I wouldn't want him to be my head coach. That have not had the yeah. perfect ideal physique, including yeah. my college coach. Mm. So I don't think that's a fair mm. shot. Okay. And I'm allowed Next. to have an opinion, yep. Skip. I am allowed mm-hmm. to say whatever okay. I want okay. to say on this show, okay, as you do too. Guys. We're Bruce Broussard will team. join us uh, and you react no. to Westbrook's You're comment, and maybe I have more to say. Yes. Yes. No, no, as Skip was saying. So Skip was getting, I think, for TV, cable TV, humiliated. They're going to pay this guy $6 million, $6 million a year, $5 million. He deserves it. That's what, If you can get that, you get it. But for a show that has less than a couple hundred thousand people watching it, period, a day, and hasn't had a lot of big traction, that was a big moment in television today. You're going to hear a lot of people talk about it. A lot of people are going to be talking about that. Now, other people are talking about Hard Knocks. Remember, John Gruden was on Hard Knocks. We had the Raiders up in Napa. Antonio Brown with his frozen feet. Knock on wood if you're with me. Well, here was the situation last night as Mike McCarthy was playing it up a little bit, a little bit of coach speak on HBO's Hard Knocks. F*** last year because we don't have a lot of time doing the hard stuff that we need to do to get to where we want to go. Charlie around, he don't work here, okay? High school Harry, get his ass out the door. This is about winning. It's about winning the world championship. Period. Period. That's all matters. Going to playoffs ain't good enough. Now, a lot of people gave him a lot of heat today for that. And I watched it with my sons, and we were watching Hard Knocks. I'll tell you, that's one thing we watch as a family. We watch Hard Knocks. My kids are, you know, played high school football a little bit, and they, they like football, and they watched it. And I thought it was pretty entertaining. You know, Mike McCarthy's got that accent there and he he used some profanity and got everybody going and then today skip valis is making fun of his weight other radio hosts are saying well you know you don't tune in to watch mike mccarthy you tune in to watch the cowboys what do you expect mccarthy to do he's getting infringed on by hbo they got all those cameras there hbo wants to get people to watch it's the first episode they got humiliated in canton they got destroyed by the Steelers. They were terrible in that game. So he comes out and he opens up with a couple of F-bombs and S-bombs. I thought it was good. I've been, you know, Mike McCarthy, real quick story. If I haven't told you this story, I'll, I promise I'll be quick. Mike McCarthy did something for me that I would run through a wall for him the rest of my life. I wrote a book called The Handoff about my mentor, Andrew Ashwood, who was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And he ended up fighting for his life, and he handed me off all of his life lessons. The book is called The Handoff. And in the book, I explain when we were in Green Bay, as Andrew knew he was dying and was going back to see the Green Bay Packers one more time, 
Jay Glazer from the NFL on Fox, the night before the Raiders played the Packers, set up. We had a big party for Andrew because he was from the Midwest in Green Bay and Wisconsin, so all his friends from that area were coming out, and many to see him for the last time. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but it's hard. So we were celebrating. We were going to tailgate, go to the football game tomorrow. And it was the night before the game where coaches, coaches traditionally, you know, they don't have to leave. This was pre-COVID. You might be able to leave for, a, for an hour for a meal, but most coaches stay back in the hotel with the coaches and put the game plan together. Mike McCarthy left the Packers team hotel, came to our event, our party, stayed for two hours with all of us, and sat with Andrew because he knew how important it was. And after that, I said, this Mike McCarthy is one of the best human beings I've ever met. Amazing. So no matter what he wins or loses with the Cowboys, I'll be rooting for the Raiders on Thanksgiving to beat him. He was a genuine human being who did something so amazing. And he's getting trolled today by Skip Bayless because he's not fit enough. And Skip, who hangs out with two poodles and goes to the gym all day, is in better shape than Mike McCarthy. I find it incredible what is happening with sports cable television and what we're not forced to watch, but some of the crap and garbage is that is on TV. And people have jobs producing it, directing it, working the cameras and the lighting. I mean, that's a positive at least. Someone's getting a job off of it. But the amount of garbage on cable sports today, the amount of just garbage product is at an all-time high. And you saw that today with Jenny Taft coming over the top on him. Fantastic television today on a show that not many people watch. All right, thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Donald Penn was fantastic. We'll have Donald on more this year, especially talking about games when the games start. James Lofton, appreciate his friendship. It was great hanging out with him in Canton. He was fantastic. We're moving softy. I'll probably get softy on my show tonight and replay it tomorrow here at some point because I want to get a preview in on the Seahawks as we get ready for that game on Saturday. Steph McKenzie, supposed to join us tomorrow from 97, won the point. We'll talk to her about what's happening heading into the weekend. And everybody else, just stay safe. COVID's popping around here. A lot of people, I won't say a lot, but some people are getting COVID who are even vaccinated. And we got to get through this together in Vegas. Vegas is having a difficult time with this. And we need everybody to be smart and stay safe. Thanks to, for everyone, our partners, for building the show and doing everything. Tomorrow I'm at NBA Summer League. So if you're going to NBA Summer League tomorrow, I'll be in the main concourse at the Thomas & Mack from noon to 2. Looking forward to that. And we got a Raider game this Saturday. And for all of us who have been on this journey together since they broke ground with that stadium, that's going to be a special Saturday night. Have a great day, everybody. Q on deck. Make sure you listen and continue to listen to Raider Nation Radio. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.